So today I thought I'd talk about uh, a prophecy to guide your prayers, amen, and guide your activities. And um, uh, we're just going to hit some highlights of the prophecy that God gave us uh, today about the testing time that's coming. Uh, many of us are in it already, and, um, and, and <laughs> amen. So so we know that it's real. We know that uh, testing does not come uh, as a punishment because we've done something wrong. Amen. Uh, amen. That's, <laughs> that's called bad parenting is what it's called. <laughs> God is not a bad parent, amen? So we have a lot of our fears based on past experiences. You know, if you you knew you did what mama told you not to do and you got to go home and admit it, you know trouble's coming, amen? But uh, God is a God who, for our own benefit, tests our faith, amen, and tests our love. So many times the, the, the testing that we are in is really a matter of not having the power to rescue ourselves from our difficulty. See, this is this is all it is. Um, we have to learn these scriptures that that you know we used to find in the Psalms when we had the blues, and you know now we're New Testament Christians and everything's faith and everything's confession and everything's everything. But uh, you know when God tells us uh, to be of good cheer, to note not to lose heart, all of those things because He knows that we will have difficulty in this world. Uh, but he wants to be our rock. He wants to be our fortress. He wants to be all of these things. Well, you don't need a rock and a fortress unless you have some difficulty. Amen. Other than that, you just be breezing through life and, and uh, receiving everything that you need. But without much development of much character in God. And so God really wants to put discipline into our lives to learn how to trust him. It's a discipline in staying close to the Lord. Uh, if there's anything I can impart to you, it is for your your good and your understanding the depths of the love of God. Amen? And uh, in, in, in we need to understand these things. And many times they are, are understood best in uh, situations that we cannot control, we cannot overturn, we cannot, you know, get a good lawyer to get us out of real fast, all that kind of stuff um, that we, we would love to have available to us, but we have to wait on the Lord, get instruction from Him walk with him, uh, get understanding from him. And so it's it's a different life, this life in Christ, but it is a joy-filled life because he tells us to count it all joy when we find and in, fall into these difficult uh, situations. Why? Because at the end of it and through it, you'll come out to be whole, entire, lacking nothing. And I don't know of anything that would, would get you to lack nothing other than uh, something that God would impart to you. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can you can get a good education and go and apply for a job, and they'll tell you, well, you need this, you need you always need something else, you know, yeah. when you go. Uh, so there's there's nothing that can prepare you in a way where where you will be fully equipped for every good work and and always triumphant yeah. in all situations 
other than walking with God. I mean, he causes you to ride on the high places. Amen. Everything that used to defeat you, he will give you victory over it. Amen. But but we have to go through these experiences with him. And so they are good experiences because we cling to God. Amen. He is the one who does the heavy lifting. He is the one who is leading us and guiding us through these things. Uh, if we will learn to hold on to him and cling to him as our, our only help and our only source, uh, we will come out more than victorious. The three Hebrew boys came through that fiery furnace and they did not even smell like smoke. The people that uh, threw them in there got burnt by the same fire that, that did not consume them. And so that's something to hold on to and understand that the things of fiery trials, the things that come to test our resolve to hold on to God uh, will not defeat us, but they will uh, develop our character in Christ and cause us to triumph even more so. Your faith will be tested too. Do you have confidence in God? It's not how much scripture you know or how fast you can repeat it or you know what what you can say when when difficulty comes upon you but but your ability to hold on to what God has uh, given you uh, you know sometimes uh, I, I I was thinking about this and I was thinking about Esther and you know everybody wants to be Queen Esther but you know there was a, a day when Esther had to take her rings off and put her do-rag on you know what I'm saying and duke it out with the devil because and sometimes it ain't pretty what we have to go through you understand me but but you know if you have to get down and dirty with the devil that's what you do because that's where God is and he's in there with you amen so you know sometimes it's just time to get ugly huh amen huh amen one of them ugly cries. <laughs> Absolutely. I had maybe like two of them in my, well, with my husband in my married life. He's all gone on to be with the Lord, so I didn't do nothing to him. So, you know, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. That's right. Yeah. No forensics left behind. But, um, I, I would have, <laughs> Uh, here, here and there, an ugly cry. You know, something I was disappointed in, and, and my heart was broken. He said, "Oh, come here!" And by the time the cry was ugly, his shirt was black. My face was—I <laughs> had one of them Tammy, uh, Tammy Faye Baker cries. Remember Tammy Faye with all that mascara and stuff? And he said, "What happened to you?" <laughs> I wasn't feeling myself. I'm better now. You know, but once you have one of them ugly cries and put your do rag on, you feel a whole lot better after you come out of it. But you gotta go through some of these things, folks. It's, these are parts of life, you know. They, it's nice if we can be, you know, tough little soldiers through everything, but there are some things will, that will break us. You know what I'm saying? There will be a good and bad days sometimes, you know, according to your experience, but never let go of God's hand. Amen. He's in there with you all of the time. Amen. All of the time. So God did give us a prophecy that this would be a year of testing and passing the test. 
This is what is important. Testing, yes, but passing the test. And, and we, we go through tests all the time. You know, they're, they're, our patience is tested. Our resolve to hold on to God's word, <clears throat> that's tested. Our resolve to be in the place God put us. You know, sometimes people are tested to come to a church. They don't like the people that go there. You understand what I'm saying? But you're not there to like people. You're there because God sent you there. And and he'll get your focus in the right place through the testing. He'll let you see what he wants you to see. Amen. When God called Ezekiel to um to to um to the ministry, let me turn to that because I wasn't planning to, but I'll turn Ezekiel chapter 1 and uh, praise God. <clears throat> Sometimes we like to take little bits and pieces out of Scripture, but uh, it, it does talk to us about preparation for clear vision in God. I know a lot of people want to say this is a year of visions, and it's it's probably true to a degree, but you better be seeing what God wants you to see. Amen. <laughs> you better get your eyes cleared up uh, and, and make sure God's showing you what, what you're seeing. In verse 3, he says, the, uh, the word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel, the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Chebar. And the hand of the Lord was there upon him. That means the Holy Spirit was upon him. It says, and I looked and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north. A great cloud and a fire unfolding itself, and a brightness was about it. And out of the midst of the color of amber, out of the midst of the fire, out of the midst thereof came a likeness of four living creatures. And this was their appearance. Hang on a second. Wait a minute. I don't know if it's one I want or if it's two I want. Hang on a second. Uh. Sorry about that, y'all. I don't want to. Yeah, I'm just. Yeah, like I said, Jeremiah. <laughs> yeah, Jeremiah. Yeah, sorry about that. I was flitting around. Oh, I mentioned him in the prophecy, right? Oh, yeah, like I said. I knew that. All right, so Jeremiah chapter 1. He says in verse 5, Before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. Before you came out of the womb, I sanctified you and ordained you a prophet to the nations. And I said, Ah, Lord God. In other words, when God tells you you're called, you pass out quickly because most people don't even anticipate that and, and uh, don't have any clue what that means. It says, I cannot speak for I'm a child, but the Lord said to me, don't say you're a child, for you will go to where every place I send you and whatever I command you, that you will speak. Don't be afraid of their faces. I'm with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. 
See, I have this day set you over nations and kingdoms to root out, pull down, destroy, throw down, build and plant. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see a rod of an almond tree. And the Lord said to me, you have well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. Now, you notice that before Jeremiah saw anything, God put his word inside of him. And that's going to be the key for any testing you go through, any trial you go through, and any life you have to live for God. His word must be inside of you so that you can see accurately the way the Lord wants you to see it. Because I'm telling you, with people running around claiming visions and claiming God's going to show them things, you're going to see all kind of people telling you God's showing them stuff. But you're going to have to have the discernment to have the word in you to be able to judge to know if that word number one is it for you is it your business if it's just their business just go leave them with their visions and their dreams and let them go on but you must have the word of god on the inside of you to judge to know if something comes from god or not and people who i would say don't have anything else so to speak love their gifts they love their visions their dreams their this and their that uh, because they are not really rooted in God. And so uh, they grab the things that will give them attention or they grab the things that they will say, you know, God showed me this, so forth and so on. And so we as believers, as the bride of Christ, they're going through the discipline of being prepared to carry God's glory and that's what he's preparing us for for a greater power, greater anointing, greater understanding of the call, the word, all of that stuff uh, because the world has gotten so bad that there's got to be something phenomenal to come into the earth so that God can uh, alleviate human suffering when you look at cities like Los Angeles and San Francisco and others where people are living on the streets many of these people are mentally ill Uh, many of these people are on drugs Um, the government has shown you they can't help these people because they've been they've been creating programs for the longest time and the more money of of hardworking people that they take to create programs that don't work just makes the problem bigger and bigger and bigger so now we've got whole cities where normal people or we can say law-abiding people or people want a nice life can't even walk down certain streets because of the the waste wasted humanity that is out there and so uh, there has to be a way that these people can be helped because they are helpless people i mean just herding them into buildings and and letting them stay in there and tear things up you know is not going to help them but god has an answer amen he has an answer and it's up to us the people of god to press into god and find these answers out and so i think this is why the body of Christ gets tried because the whole earth is moaning and groaning and those people are groaning and travailing for help they are are, uh, an example and a demonstration of the enemy's uh, work against humanity 
And it's going to be impossible for godly people to walk by and not be able to intervene and do something, you know, and and drive through the city to go to our, our nice churches somewhere, you know, with gates around them and so forth and so on, and not do anything uh, for lost humanity. And so God is looking for a people who will allow him to prepare them for such work and, and to undertake and know that that's their calling. This is what you are called to do. You're called to alleviate human suffering. That's what the anointing is for. You know, when Jesus walked the earth, he prayed for the sick. He cast out devils. He alleviated human suffering that was caused by the devil. And so we can we can criticize each other as much as we want and talk about what's needed here and what's needed there. But God knows what's needed. And right now, he's looking for a people who will allow him to put his word in their mouths and and eat of his word so that they are full of the understanding of God and the power of God to alleviate human suffering. So when God moves in the earth, he moves in power, he moves to alleviate human suffering. You know, I'm encouraged by some of the things that I see, but I know that what's happening is not enough. Amen? You'll see pockets of groups of Christians here gathering together to worship God, but when they go out, do they touch broken humanity? And so I think it's in your private time with God that he prepares you to do the things that need to be done to make a difference uh, with people. Many times the people who he is called they'll start out um, uh, with a heart for humanity and then the money starts coming in and then they have a heart for other things you, you understand I'm not calling names but you know who they are many of the big ministers we see started out in their basements or started out in a neighborhood storefront church but now that they've gotten their hands on a lot of money they don't dirty themselves with the natural things that people really really need you know there's some of them do it, but the work is so, um, there's such a volume of work. One ministry can't do it all, and one person with a heart for God can't do it all. So it has to be a move of God on the hearts of his people. And, and nothing will get his people's hearts ready than time with him. And when we go through trials, it demands that we have time with God, that we put him first in all things. Spend that money and time uh, seeking him, praying, studying the word, asking God, where do you want to put me? Where, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? Sometimes he will tell you to pray and stay in that place of prayer for an extended period of time. He said, because prayer always is effective. Amen. It, it avails much. And so if, if we will take the time and devote ourselves to prayer, devote ourselves to, to the word and, and getting our understanding of, of what the world really needs from God, uh, then we can be more than effective uh, in, in what is coming. We look around now and we see all kinds of trouble uh, in the world and, and it's been going on for a while, but now it's becoming more prominent. And so this unrest that's in the world is really the same uh, uh, struggle that we see throughout the Bible. It's, it's the kingdom of darkness versus the kingdom of God. And so if we're people in God's kingdom, we've got to know what the warfare is about. we got to know what side 
we're on. We got to stay on God's side. We got to know how to discern what side is God's and what side is not because the enemy wants to blur the line. He wants us to think what's evil is good and what's good is evil. Amen. Many times the, the, the devil ties up some good things with some bad stuff. <laughs> and you as a believer got to know the will of God. Amen. You've got to know what's good and, and where God's heart is. Amen. Uh, what, what he, what he wants in the earth. Amen. You know, uh, I was just looking at, uh, um, uh, um, Pastor, um, um, I'm looking at Pastor Val. I couldn't think of your name for a minute. And, and how that little baby, grandbaby is clinging to her. Amen. Well, you know, there's another grandbaby that didn't get born because of abortion. Amen. That's why there's so much love poured out on the ones that there are. Because there's some missing. You understand what I'm saying? And so we've got to put a stop to this stuff, folks. We've got to stop turning our heads and saying, uh, you know, well, well, you know, I'm praying and, 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 you know, making excuses. You've got to take a stand and say, God, what do I do? Amen. This is wrong. It's like the Hebrew midwives. They could have passed the buck and say, Pharaoh told us, well, you know, I can't help because Pharaoh told us to kill. And they said, no, we're not killing God's inheritance. Huh? So they made up a story to tell Pharaoh. They said, ah, know that baby? Oh, no, we couldn't stop that baby from being born. That baby was born before we got there. Amen. Amen. And so there are things that we can do, folks. Just very simple things that you can do in your neighborhood, your situation, your family, right where you are, that will stop the devil, will stop him from taking people out of here, will stop him from doing uh, evil in the earth. You know, it just takes somebody to stand up and say, now this is not right. And there's enough of this. We've had enough. We're not going to put up with it any longer. <clears throat> so uh, the Lord was speaking to me and saying that, the testing would double up itself. Amen. But we would get double return. Now, why would God double things? You, know, you got to do the test first. <laughs> oh, I got to do my French and my English in one day. Huh? Yeah. Double testing. It looks, it, and to me, it's like before you get out of one test, another one is upon you. Yeah. Amen. But God is saying because time is accelerating, he's got to put us through this. Amen. Because of the acceleration of time. And what he wants to do in a short time span, he has to prepare us in record time. Amen. And don't be afraid of the testing of God. The Bible says count it all joy. Amen. You can have joy and rejoicing. Even in the midst of not having all your stuff that you want to have. And really for Christians in this country is like you got to cut back a little here to cut back a little there. Or maybe some of the things that you used to have at hand are not as handy anymore. It's like things that we used to be able to just grab and it worked for us. Now it's like we're feeling around for the familiar and it's not there anymore and that's because God has moved that out of the way for something better 
something greater, something more powerful, because it's time to move on to something else. You got me? And so for those people who will trust God, they'll begin to understand what the next thing is and how God is going to bring it into their lives. You know, it's like we, we played around enough with, with, uh, prosperity confession. Now you got to prophesy to the, the, the spirit. You got to prophesy out into nowhere and believe that God's going to have somebody who needs to hear that word pick it up and then begin to declare it from their position of influence and power. Amen. That's really what the word is for. It's to make known the principalities and powers and manifold wisdom of God. So what does that mean? That means that there has have to be people who can see evil going on and will hear a word from God and stand up and declare it that that thing will stop and it will cease and it will be no more in this you got me and to mean it amen and so when when we start taking up the true prophetic mantle you understand what I'm saying and stop this um the fortune telling parties we have. God's going to bless you with this. He's going to bless you with that. He's going to bless you with this. How many times you need to hear that? Right. Amen. Well, you have a more sure word of prophecy right here. You open this up and you get in here, you be so wealthy, you won't be able to stand yourself. Hallelujah. Huh? It's true. Yes. God wants us. We're already blessed people, folks. You look at yourself and the average sinner you know, and if you don't believe you're blessed, just do a comparison test. But we got to move on and find out why we're blessed and get involved in the things that will bring greater blessing to more people. We are blessed to be a blessing. Amen. And that we cannot forget. So God's going to call upon us to call up some of this wealth that's within us already, that he's already put inside of us. He's going to start calling that up for the benefit of humanity. Amen. And so expect that. Expect to be less of you, more of him. Expect to be less time on nonsense things and more time on things that really do matter to God and to his kingdom. And so I believe that that when we start entering into this uh, this trial period that God will begin to show us things and areas that he's going to help us in and he's going to make some changes. He's going to put some discipline in there. He's going to put some more word in there. He's going to help us to be able to grasp the word more easily and, and make it more understandable to us. It'll benefit us and others around us a whole lot more. And so God wants to do, he wants a perfected bride. He wants a mature bride. Amen. He's not wanting somebody that he got to go do everything for you all the time. You know, or got to bless you with this or you ain't happy. You understand? Got to do this for you or you ain't happy. He He's looking for a content bride 
who loves him and understands that he is doing everything for her good. Amen? He really, really is. I know everybody been lied to or not, but we're not talking about man. We're talking about God. Everybody's been disappointed by somebody. You know, welcome to the club. People oftentimes don't really mean to disappoint us. They just can't do nothing. You know, you're, you're barking up the wrong tree with our expectations of man. But I tell you, when God is your expectation, he will do everything that you expect him to do and then some. He will do that and more. Amen. So the Lord was telling me, he said, you know, the bride is going to have to say yes to the dress very early. Amen. You know how they do that little show they do. You know, they run around and look at 50 dresses from 50 stores. He said, I just got one dress for you. You're going to have to say yes to it real quick. Amen. Because he wants to adorn us with his glory, with his power, with his goodness, with the fruit of the spirit. You know, some of us he can't use because we're too quickly angered and offended by things. And so we're going to have to be able to withstand offense and withstand all kinds of things. And and just walk in love while we're withstanding it. Amen. That's what Jesus did. If you think he got upset with people and and walked off and didn't do nothing, you got another thing coming. Amen. He was he was pure in his heart and he he didn't take offense to things. Amen. If he needed to, he would excuse himself and go to the Father and pray and work things out and and get a vision and get you know unload things and and talk to the Father and get an understanding. That's what we're going to have to start doing. You know, you can't call up three girlfriends and start complaining about people. You understand what I'm saying? Just stop it. Because at the end of it, you not only worked up yourself, but they worked up. Now they go call two more people and get them worked up. So God wants a mature bride. Amen. You don't. You don't tell the household business. But you forgive. You don't keep it in either, and think I'm just taking. They just taking advantage of me. They say anything to me and abuse me, and all. You're not taking anything. He took your pain. He carried your sorrows. People don't like you. You take it to God in prayer. Huh? We need some older saints than me in here sometimes. You know what I'm saying? They tell you, girl, got to work it out. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't run around here and say that. You take that to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And leave it there. That was that's sage advice, folks. You don't need a, a group consensus on what you're going through. You need to hold on to him. And going through it. That way you get through. You mess around with people, you get stuck and they leave you there. Be very tight lipped. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So the the trial actually disciplines us to stay close to God because we are his bride. He wants us with him. Amen. He wants us with him. Quit trying to make yourself so appealing to other people. God wants you with him. Amen. Looking rough, looking raggedy, bad breath. 
hair on the dresser. I don't care what it is. But he, I knew y'all would wake up then. You understand what I'm saying? He wants you with him. He loves you. He don't care how rough you look, how ugly you look. Huh? Amen. So he he could care less about all them trimmings. He knows how to fix us up so we look perfect to him. Amen. And he wants to adorn us with precious things. Amen. He really, really does. <clears throat> so this uh, worldwide upheaval that's going on now. Amen. The sons of uh, uh, Ishmael are against every every person on the earth and that was foretold that that prophecy is still over that group of people and they want to kill everybody that doesn't think like them there's a lot of hatred there a lot of rejection all of that stuff but God has an answer amen at the same time there are many people Muslim people who are coming to Christ and there are many who are leaving out of here because they are killing God God's people. You can't kill God's people and live. You understand what I'm saying? You can't do it. The Bible says he fights people that fight us and he kill people that kill us. Now people want to lay down their weapons. That's cool. You understand what I'm saying? Understand your Bible history. Amen. So because the earth is in travail and there's worldwide upheaval, we have to stay ever closer to God to understand the right decisions to make, ways to use our time and our resources, our finances, all of those things. God is going to put a tight discipline over those things in our lives so that we can be equipped for what he wants us to be equipped for. Amen. I know a couple of years ago, he warned us to watch our money because the enemy was stealing. And we had to fight for it like we never fought for it. <laughs> right, Bishop Russell? You had to fight for it like you never fought for it. Before. <laughs> it was so funny. Bishop Russell told me he was sleeping in his T-shirt with the money dollar signs on it. I said, that brother's serious about getting it. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you got to get hard down serious and, and kick that devil out and don't let go. And after he gives you what he owes you, take some more from him because he done stole from somebody else. Don't let him off the hook. Many times God will have us to release some things to him. Uh, different things that we've, we've done that we enjoy, that even that we did for him. So we have to let go of our past glory and our reputation because God wants our hands emptied. Why? So that he can fill them. He can fill them with what he wants to fill them with. Amen. You have to learn how to let go of your name and your fame because the devil wants to change it and will change it if you don't let go of it. And let God have it. Now what do I mean by that? 
in order to have these things preserved, they have to be under God's care. There are many ministers that you know, prayed and prayed and prayed and were obedient to God. They gave faithfully. They went everywhere God sent them to go. And when the enemy tried to attack them, attack their name and reputation, instead of letting it go and letting God have it, they tried to struggle against what God wanted to do. And they wound up letting the devil change their name. That's why, that's how a delivered pastor can now be called a drug addict again. That's how a, a, a prophet that went to, I don't know, 50 nations of the world came, changed, got the devil changed his name to homosexual. You got me? Because when you go through trials, you have to be obedient to God to let him have these things. The worst thing you can do is strive over who you are. What do I mean when I say that? I mean people say, well, come in, want to prophesy to everybody. Well, God told me I was a so-and-so. See, that's the wrong thing to do. You're striving over who you are. And once the devil sees that you'll engage with somebody and want to fight over your own identity, he's free to change it. You need to humble yourself and go somewhere and sit down and say, God, you know who I am. If they never know, you know. Just help me to humble myself and stay obedient so that I can feel the call of God according to what you call me. Huh? Don't get crazy. Yeah, we want to use some of some of us are going to let Facebook be our demise. You understand what I'm saying? If we don't stay off of their broadcast and everything. I don't care if you don't like it. The Bible says discretion will keep you. People go back in the archives and find out. You know they can find text messages of yours you did on your old old beat up phone. All this data every day. They, 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 we want permission to follow you. No. You ain't follow me nowhere. Right. Then the GPS don't work. So then now they got you, they got you under pressure now. It's an extortion game. What'd you do before they had GPS? Thought so. You got where you needed to go. <laughs> Amen. But this business of we gotta lay down strife, folks. It's not about you. It's about him. And the Bible says that as much as it is possible, we are to live peacefully among all men. You shouldn't be fighting over somebody telling you that they don't think you're called or they don't think you're gifted or they don't. They don't let that proving yourself to somebody stick in your mind. Huh? We'll all know who you are or not. What do you care? As long as you please God, I mean, that's all there needs to be to it. So we allow God to have these things that the enemy is trying to pull away from us. Amen. Because we're not secure in them. See, when you're secure in something, you could care if people announce you, know you, put a title, put a give you the front seats all that kind of stuff you care less Mm -hmm. 
know the devil likes to fool people I remember we were involved with a, a ministers association and uh, you know you, you you come in and they say oh you're a part of the association we got some uh, reserved seats for you right up front and you go up there and all the seats are filled up and they reserve nothing for you just take the seat in the back so if something stupid jump off <laughs> You know, preachers preachers need to get enough of sitting up, you know, on the podium. This is the thing they put you up there on the stage with. with and then the preacher will turn around and say, uh, we need to take a special offering. All you bishops up here, y'all, uh, we got to have a $500 offering. That's what you get for going rushing up there. Huh? It's always going to cost you some extra. Huh? Man's approval will always cost you. Sometimes you're not to be connected with people. You know, and you got to know how to connect with them the right way. You understand what I'm saying? You know, I know we were connected with a ministry and, and God had told us to attend the meetings. And I said, well, Lord, they, they have ministers association and, you know, maybe I should join that. Should I join that? So I went ahead and joined. And somehow things never were peaceful. Never, never was right. You understand what I'm saying? There was always something um, that we didn't agree with or connect with or, you know, they would make a promise here, couldn't keep it and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, and you know, so they asked us not to renew our membership one year. And I thought, God, come on, Lord, I can get kicked out of a group of preachers and all they want is money. I mean, all they want is dues. And they're going to kick you out and tell you they don't want your dues no more. I said, God, come on now. What's going on here? Change your deodorant. Change your hair. Change your nails. Change everything. You can't please people. And about three years later, the minister got caught up in some nonsense. Lost the ministry. Thousands of people that were influenced by this one person scattered, didn't know what to do, huh? But there I was still standing. If God has to kick you out of something to preserve you, he will kick you out of it. Amen? Amen. That's when you find out who God really is. When there's nobody but you and him. No go-between. No group of individuals to prop you up and take your money while they propping you up. Amen. (laughs) So Acts chapter, I think it's 27 we want to go to. We're going to see a test that the Apostle Paul found himself in. And and it's interesting because <clears throat> the ship that he was sailing on wasn't seaworthy after a while. And I know there's some of us who are in situations and 
you want it to be smooth sailing, but you know, is sometimes a storm comes up and you have to endure the storm. You think we just went through a storm. Do I have to go through this again? The answer is yes. Because God wants you to say yes to the dress in a hurry. Amen. All you have to do is say yes to God in, in, you don't even know you're in a storm most of the time, but you start fighting and you start disliking everything and you got to have this now and you got, why well, I got to go through, why well, I got to be the only one, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, it, it won't go well with you. You'll upset your own, your own business there. So then Acts chapter 27. Thank you, Jesus. I'll go through. Paul got here. Let me just back up a little bit. I'll tell you how Paul got in this boat. He was not, this was not a missionary trip. Man, this was an arrest situation. Paul was, uh, um, you know, every city he went to, he was confronted by the Jews and oftentimes thrown in jail and beaten. And so Paul decided this time he wouldn't go let them beat him. He just wouldn't go do it. In Acts chapter 25, then uh, uh, it says here in verse 10, Then said, said Paul, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged. To the Jews I've done no wrong, as you very well know. For if I be an offender or have committed anything worthy of death, I refuse not to die. But if there be none of these things whereof to accuse me, no man may deliver me unto them. I appeal unto Caesar. Amen. So Paul all of a sudden becomes a Roman citizen. He was one all along, but most places he went and got in, in difficulties he got into, he always trusted God to get him through them. But this time Paul just decides, I'm not taking no more whippings. Uh, these people ain't going, I'm sick and tired of it. I got some rights here. I think I'll appeal to Caesar. And so he does this and, and he, the, the, he is set on a journey of appearing before different important people in the Roman government. Now you can say this was God's will or you can say you're not sure if it's God's will. And this is the thing about testing. Any test we go through, there's always going to be an element of us in there and an element of the will of God. It's like this. If you are if you produce fruit, You'll produce fruit anywhere you're planted. You got me? You can preach to people. You can witness to people. You can do that anywhere you are. Because God will open the door of utterance for people. If somebody stands before you in need, God will give you utterance to help those people. But that does not mean that God puts you everywhere you are. You got me? He uses people because he wants to use them. But many times we're in places not of God's design, but we just wind up there. You can't say it's the devil and you can't say it's your disobedience. You just wind up there. And so God, though, will work in any of these situations. And so Paul is arrested. He's bound over to um, the Roman guards and finally winds up getting on a ship on his way to see Caesar, on his way to Rome. 
what happens between here and there is God's design for Paul. Amen. It is God's design for Paul. And verse 27, verse 1, when it was determined that we should sail to Italy, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners. So he was arrested into one named Julius, a centurion uh, of Augustus, of Augustus's band, entering into the ship at Adramatium, we launched meaning to sail by the coast of Asia, so forth and so on. The next day we touched Sidon and Julius courteously entreated Paul and gave him liberty to go into his friends to refresh himself. So God has shown Paul some mercy here. He's given him some favor. When we had launched from there, we sailed under Cyprus because the winds were contrary. So already on Paul's journey, there's some stress there's some trial they want to launch but they can't because the winds aren't going to carry them and when we had sailed over the sea to Cilicia and Pamphila we came to Myra a city of Lycia and there the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing to Italy and he put us on that ship so here we have Paul who's already there and it looks like things aren't going to go well but it's out of his control and that's us when we have trials and and we're in the midst of trial we just have to hold on and make sure that we stay close to God because there will be certain things happening that are out from under your control if you have a health uh, crisis. You might have to submit yourself to doctors for a season. And, and, you know, we all hate doctors. You know, people that ain't saved hate doctors. But saints even more because you want to walk in divine health and you don't understand why that ain't coming forth like it usually does. And so you have to just jump in that ship and trust God sailing through it and bind the devil. You don't just go with blind trust. You go through taking authority over the enemy. You don't lose who you are as far as your ability to discern and your ability to take authority. Because trust me, if they can get you in that hospital and lose you, they'll lose you. You understand what I'm saying? And put you down, put it, put you on a cart somewhere and stick you in a corner. You be heard from no more. I was listening to a uh, uh, testimony, Henry Groover, the guy, the prayer walker. I know many of you heard of prayer walking during the 80s. It was like the hot thing going through the church at the time. We had all kind of people walking around their neighborhoods praying. But you know what? When I started listening to this man's testimony, I said, oh, that's what prayer walking really is. Right, right. Huh? Right. It ain't just going down your street. Huh? And bless this one, bless that one till you get tired of that and then you move on to the next thing that's moving through the body of Christ. But Henry Groover, if you go on his, his Facebook page, they show these beat up boots that he wore while he walked in 54 nations. There are some countries he walked down every street in those nations. Every street. So he's not just prayer walking, blessing people. He's prayer walking, he's breaking curses. He's uh, forgiving sins. He's helping to heal the land so that God's work can be so that people like me and you can go into these cities and pray and get people saved. 
somebody's got to do the dirty work. Amen. But he said that he uh, was attacked with cancer a couple of times. And at one point, and he would refuse treatment. He said, I just stood on the word. And if I had to cling to my Bible, he said, he has a Bible that all the pages fall out because the glue uh, doesn't hold anymore. Now, how did he loosen the glue in the binding of his Bible? He said his pain was so bad he would sweat profusely. But all he could do was cling to his Bible. He couldn't read it. He couldn't and, and pray in tongues as best he could and, and cry out to God. And he said one one time his son was very concerned about him, and the son uh, convinced him to let him take him to the hospital, and they took him by ambulance to the hospital. And I think it was somewhere in Canada where health care is very scarce. And um, they pushed his his bed over in a corner and wouldn't attend to him. They said, that old drug addict, he'll be dead in a little while. And his son overheard it. And his son confronted that doctor. And he said, you've got to. He said, my my dad is not a drug addict. He's a minister. He said, he's extremely sick. And I brought him here for help. And right away, God started moving to get people in there to help. But if you think, turning it over to the doctors and you don't pray. And you don't let the saints know where you are. And I'm not talking about people on Facebook. Pray for me and they click like. I like that you're sick. Wake up, everybody. I'm talking about people that God assigns to your life. Yes. Amen. To undergird you and help pull you through in your time of need. Amen. The Bible says to pray you one for another that you be healed. So there will be times when you have to give up control, but you don't give up authority. You got me? You keep your authority, your spiritual authority intact. You use discernment. You use, uh, um, you know, let God tell you who to contact, what to say, all of that kind of stuff. You've got to do that, folks. You're going to make it. You're going to survive and come through. So here Paul is transferred to another ship. So uh, they sail slowly many days, verse 7. And scarce were come over against this one city because the wind was not letting them do it. And they sailed under Crete over against Salome and hardly passing it. So this bus was a, I mean, a ship was a very slow ship. And they came to a place which is called the Fair Havens. Nigh unto was a city of Lassie. Now when much time was spent... And when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was not alre- was now already passed, Paul warned them and said to them, "Sirs, I'm thinking that this voyage will be with much hurt, much damage, not only of the lading of the ship, but also of our lives." So he's warning them that this this trip is going to be dangerous. But he's a prisoner. He's in chains. 
if he were Paul the Apostle free and all of that kind of stuff might have more power, more weight, whatever. But these chains represents God's restriction on him not to do anything under his own power. And he ought to be glad because his own powers got him in this mess that he's in, to be honest with you. Because in Acts 26, 32, there's a centurion that says something I thought was interesting. Um, not the centurion, but this is Agrippa. He's one of the Roman uh, uh, officials. In verse 29, Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am. So he's trying to preach the gospel to these people. When he had thus spoken, the king rose up and the governor and Bernice, and they all sat with them. When they had gone aside, they talked with, between them saying, saying, themselves saying, this man has done nothing worthy of death or bonds. Then Agrippa said to Festus, this man might have been set free if he had not appealed unto Caesar. So if he, in other words, if he had stayed with his God that always helped him out, you know, sometimes you get sick of just being a nothing and a nobody. That's where Paul was. Sick of getting beat, sick of getting chased out of every city he was in. He's tired. So he said, maybe I'll take the easy way out. If God, if you ain't going to help me, I'm going to ask Caesar for help. Amen. Bad move. So God has to take the reins back from Paul. Amen. So he goes on this ship as a prisoner. His, his hands are shackled. And so they don't, they don't pay any attention to him. He said to them in verse 10, sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with much hurt, much damage, not only of the lading of the ship, but our lives also. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than the things that were spoken by Paul. And because the haven was not uh, uh, permissible to be in in the winter, they just went ahead and set sail and got out, out into this very, very rough see and and uh, the storm then goes on for quite a while and uh, 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 it says here in verse 19 the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship so this this tempest went on for many days and nights the bible reports that they didn't see daylight for four or five days so they're just out there in darkness and in blackness for all of that period of time It says in verse 20, when neither the sun or stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on it, all hope was gone that we would be saved. And that that hope was taken away. Verse 21, but after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them. Long abstinence. Long abstinence. That's the trial, folks. After this trial is over, Paul gets a word from God. He stood forth in the midst of him and says, Sirs, you should have listened to me and not have loosed from Crete to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and who I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, you must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God has given you all them that sail with you. 
all them that sail with you. God is looking for somebody who's not just wanting to preserve themselves, but who will intercede for everybody involved in the situation. Because Paul initially said that there would be some people that would be killed if they set off and sail at that time. But he went back to God, and this was after like 14 days, they didn't need anything. And so after all that period of time, Paul finally hears from God, and God gives him a word after he's interceded for all of these souls on these ship so that they could all be saved. And he says, saying, fear not, Paul, you must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God has given you all them that sail with you. Therefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe, God, that it shall be even as he has told me. However, we must go and cast up on a certain island, etc., etc. As as they sail, things get kind of worse and worse. So after the word of God comes, sometimes your situation won't turn around immediately. And we have to we have to understand that. That word is there to preserve your life. And you're being tested to see if you will hold on to the word of God or you'll panic. You'll say it's not going to happen. Things are too bad. It's getting worse and worse and worse. And he says they have to go to a certain island and that's where they'll be saved. In verse 30, it says, And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship when they had let down the boat into the sea under color as though they would have cast anchors out in the foreship, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Except these stay in the ship, you won't be saved. So first, Paul goes from somebody they totally ignore to now all of a sudden everybody's letting him run stuff. Amen? And this is really what God wants to do with people after the trial or as they go through the trial. He wants to put more authority and more power into our hands. It won't happen if we don't trust him even through adversity. There are things Paul probably could have done. He probably could have turned around and taken his chances running away or had some kind of plan with the rest of the prisoners to get away from there. But he let God keep him bound. He let God have control. He let God, he waited for God to tell him what to do, even in very difficult, strenuous situations. So then the soldiers, it says here, Verse 31, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, except these stay in the ship, you can't be saved. (laughs) Then the soldier cut off the ropes of the boat and let it fall off. And while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to eat something, saying, this day is the 14th day that we have tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing. Wherefore, I pray you to take some meat, for this is for your health. And there shall not a hair fall from the head of any of you. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread, gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. Amen. He didn't care what religion they were, what kind of God they'd been praying to or anything. He prayed to his God and gave thanks in the presence of everybody. And when he had broken it, began to eat, and they were all of good cheer. And they also took some meat. And we were all in the ship, 200, three score and 16 souls. Amen. That's almost 300 people. 
And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and cast out wheat into the sea. So they think they're near land, so they're making the ship as light as possible. Many times, if you had a lot of um, uh, prod, uh, a lot of equipment and stuff in a ship, if the wind got bad enough, it could hurt you. You know, stuff bouncing around and lifting up. So that was a safety precaution when you were in bad weather. And when it was day, they knew not the land, but they discovered a certain creek with a shore into which they were minded if it were possible to put the ship that direction. When they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves into the sea and loosed the rudder bands, hoisted up the mainsail to the wind and made toward the shore. And falling into a place where two seas meet, they ran the ship aground. The first, the forepart stuck fast and the remainder was unmovable and the hind part was broken by the violence of the waves. So they're still in the midst of the storm. And the soldiers' counsel was this. Let's kill the prisoners. Amen. Lest any of them escape. Now you'd think somebody who's in danger of losing his life, the last thing he want to do is hurt somebody. You know, when you're in trouble, deep trouble, you want to be nice to everybody. You understand? We know, we all know how to do that. Believers. You ain't mad at nobody. You forgive everybody. You even like that person that you think don't like you. All that kind of stuff. But they decided, and because of their, their strict rules, Romans, Roman soldiers had to give an account of all of their prisoners or they would be killed. And so they are trying to see how they can keep them from escaping. But the centurion willing to save Paul. Paul's fame is coming back. Amen. God will restore everything. First, he was just a prisoner with some ropes on him, and they paid no attention to him when he spoke up and warned them. Now he's running everything. Amen. So God will restore that to you, but you got to let it go. You can't be fighting to hold on to a title or fighting to hold on to a, a church or a ministry. I don't care what it is. You can't be fighting to hold on to it because God is testing you to see if you the enemies against you are too strong for you. You understand me? They're too strong for you. So you have no uh, no recourse but to trust God. Yeah, yeah. So the centurion was willing to to save Paul, kept them from from and, and kept them from killing the rest of the prisoners, and commanded that they which could swim cast themselves out first into the sea to get to land, and the rest, some on boards, some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass as they escaped all safe to land. And so God wants us to know that whatever it is that we're holding on to. Now like some of us will will sail through trials. We'll have some ups and downs. But we'll have that peace that's so great. And that, that stays with us. It passes all understanding. You know, people will look at us and say, I don't even know how you can still uh, be so cheerful about that or how you can still endure that. And And those are the people that could swim. You understand what I'm saying? They get out there and, and they don't care how rough the waters is. They'll, they'll, they'll have a, a current that they can roll on for a while or, you know, but they'll find a way 
to keep their skill and keep their understanding of who God is so that they, they can walk, walk right out of that, that surf after it's, it's quit whipping them up so much. But then some of them are fighting for their lives. They're barely hanging on. They're just clinging to a little piece of board, just trying any kind of way to get through. They get saved too. God will pull the weak and the strong through this testing and trial. Just because you have knowledge and strength, it doesn't mean you escape all of this kind of thing because difficulty will come to us you know it just will happen it's a part of our development but I'm telling you that God wants to double up on the reward for people but it can't happen if he don't double up on the testing you'll find yourself going from one to the next one or you're in a big one and a short one comes up it's just like waves crashing sometimes they're they're monster waves and sometimes they're little ones but they're carrying you where you don't want to go but you've got to trust God in the don't want to go part because he is going to take you where he wants you to get to Because he wants to do something with his people. God promised us. I don't know when it was. It had to have been been about 10 years ago. I think it was around 2010. Where he started to speak to us about this time that we would be in. The time of the greater glory. And he said that that Christians were being, he didn't like the fact that his people were being made fun of. They're being persecuted. They're being killed in many places, many countries. Uh, the people come up and take their property from them. They take their, uh, kidnap their children, all kinds of things. And God said he was going to put a stop to it. And he was going to bring forth a bride that the world respected, that the world looks up to, that the world understands that we have the word of God in our mouths. And so I'm expecting, I don't know about you, but I'm expecting the greater glory, folks. I know it's not going to be a cakewalk. You may have to forfeit some things that you dearly love. But God's going to return even better to you. He'll change your desires in the testing. Amen? He'll change the things that you like and don't like. He'll change your want to's. Amen? He'll, he'll change it so that you're more like Christ so that you can carry what he wants us to carry. Amen? There's compassion that needs to be built up in us. It can't be built up if you're thinking about yourself all the time. Amen? And there's things that we need to do that are solely for him. Just because we love him, he's going to ask you to do some things. Amen? And But we are will be equipped to do them. We'll find that we have joy in them. And we find that really when we come through it, if you swim through it, you swim and that's good. If you're on a piece of flat piece of board, you're on a piece, if you paddle your way in, amen? But, but you'll make it through. Amen? He's guaranteed that we will all make it through to the other side of the test. Amen? Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding. Thank you, Lord, that this is a good 2020 year, that it will be a a year of testing, and it will be a year of trial. But, Father, it is not new to us because we know the testing of our faith works patience and wholeness in us, that we won't lack anything at the end of the test. So we thank you for it, for increasing us, not just testing, but increasing us. And we honor you and love you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Anybody?
Anybody needs prayer, come on up and I'll pray for you. Praise God.